You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln audio podcast. Today and for the next two weekends as we're looking to Judges chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16. Today we're going to focus on Judges 13, 1 through 5. So I want you to follow along as I read uh, these verses. Again, it's, it's the beginning in verse 1. It says, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. A certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. So who is this son that these verses are talking about? Well, when we look later in this same chapter, we find his name. But I find it very interesting that if we go all the way to the New Testament, to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, uh, in verse 32, as the roll call of the heroes of faith are being being given, uh, this is what the writer says. He says, and what more shall I say? I do not have time to talk about Gideon, Barak, and then he says, Samson. So the birth announcement that we've read about in these first five verses is all about Samson. And that's who we're going to be focusing on today in the next three weeks. So um, who is Samson and what do we know about Samson? So if if we were to ask the question, who's the strongest uh, man in the Bible? Most likely the answer you're going to hear is what? Samson. And that's because it's true. Samson is the strongest man mentioned uh, in the Bible. Let's face it. um, Who do you know? that uh, has come face-to-face in hand-to-hand combat with 1,000 men and um, was able to kill all 1,000 men using only the jawbone of a donkey. You met, have you met anybody like that? I, I hope not. Trust me, I, I hope you haven't. Well, that's what Samson did. Using the jawbone of a donkey in hand-to-hand combat, he killed 1,000 men. Who else do you know? Hopefully you don't know anybody like this, but has come face to face with a lion and killed the lion with their bare hands and then ripped the lion in two with their bare hands. That was Samson. That's what the Bible tells us about Samson. God chose Samson for a very specific purpose. And that purpose was that he was to take the lead in delivering Israel from the Philistines. And God granted, gifted Samson with great strength in order to carry out his purpose. Um, uh, Before there were kings, there were judges in Israel. Um, And Samson was one of those judges. In fact, he was one of the most notable judges in, in Israel. Samson was also a Nazarite. If you were a Nazarite, you committed to live by three vows. Uh, You said you would have no alcohol, Uh, You uh, would not cut your hair. I lost out on that one. And that you would not go near anything unclean. For instance, like a dead body or like a a lion that you've just killed. That dead body would be considered unclean. Um, Although he had this great God-given strength, it didn't last forever. And there's a little twist on that, which in a couple of weeks we'll come back to that. 
Uh, but it didn't last forever because he, uh, he lost his strength after he allowed his lady love, Delilah. We've all heard about Samson and Delilah, right? He allowed his lady love to um, uh, reveal uh, through uh, great nagging uh, that the secret of his strength was in that he had not cut his hair. That's, that's where his strength comes from. So she, armed with this information, she betrays him. And while he's asleep, she cuts, she has his hair cut. And then she calls in the Philistines. The Philistines take him captive. And not only do they take him into captivity, but they punch his eyes out. Yeah. So a spoiler alert. He, I said this, I alluded to this a few minutes ago. He doesn't lose his strength forever. Um, God grants one last prayer that Samson prays, but I'm going to put a pause there because we're going to talk about that part in a couple of weeks. But at the end of the day, here's the conclusion we have to draw about Samson. Samson uh, was called by God. He had a very specific purpose on his life, but Samson did not live up to his full potential or his full callings. Uh, Samson, uh, when we read the story, we realize he didn't make the, the best choices in choosing women. Delilah wasn't the only one. There were, there were some others. And there's quite a sordid story in there. Um, he didn't do well at uh, keeping information that he sh- should keep. In other words, he, he kind of was a blabbermouth. He let it out like, it was in my hair. He tried to keep it, but, but, he, but he couldn't. But uh, maybe most importantly, Samson broke all three of his Nazarite vows. Every single one of them he broke. Even though this is true, Samson in his uh, flawed life, in in his shortcomings, God still chose to use Samson. He still chose to use Samson to begin the process of leading uh, Israel out of the captivity, out of the oppression of the Philistines. Uh, The story of Samson is really a story of God working on behalf of his his people. So we're going to unpack this uh, over the next two weeks after this. But uh, today, here's where we want to begin. We're just going to focus on parts of the first five verses. Um, And and what we're going to learn is that in these first five verses that contain and lead up to the birth announcement uh, of Samson, there are some powerful life lessons that we want to unpack today. Uh, We see that as God is working on behalf of Israel, there are lessons that we can draw from for our own life. And it begins uh, in the very first verse of chapter 13. Uh, It says, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. And and that's that's really packed. But I think it's important that we notice that the very first verse, verse 1, begins with the word again. And the word again is very significant in this story. Um, Israel had this ongoing um, cycle of committing fully to God and then forgetting about God. Committing to God and then forget. And it was ongoing. It happened time after time after time. At best... They were part-time in their commitment. And God's plan for Israel was not a part-time plan. And this is really important for all of us, actually. But God's plan for Israel was not a part-time plan. 
but it was a full-time plan. God's desire is that they would not forget him, but instead they would continually draw near to him so that they could live out the fullness of the life he had, that they would be continually committed to him, not part-time. So here's what happens. In his love and in his mercy, he uses a very uncomfortable situation to get their attention. He uses a situation. You see, they had been oppressed by the Philistines. This wasn't something that happened beginning in, verse, in chapter 13, but they had been in, uh, uh, oppressed by the Philistines for some time. In fact, we learned in that verse that for 40 years, the Philistines harassed, they oppressed uh, the, the children of Israel. And so God allows that to continue in order to get their attention. And so this week, as I was preparing and I began to think about this, well, how does this apply to me? What is it I would draw from this personally? And I began to think, how often, far too often, I find myself living out the same kind of cycle that Israel did. God, I'm all committed to you. I am all the way in. And then I get busy and I get distracted. And suddenly, I, I don't necessarily forget God. I know he's there. But I'm not talking to him a lot. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not living fully out my commitment and my devotion to him. I'm, um, I'm kind of waning in my my, my relationship with him. And this is what I'll say. I recognize that God's plan for me and God's plan for us, again, it's the same plan he had for Israel. It's that we would not forget him, that we would not get so busy, that we would not get so distracted, that we get somehow deluded in our relationship with him. We know he's there, but we're part-time at best. But instead, he would have us continually drawing near to him. Because here's the deal. God, by his Holy Spirit, is always at work in us. It's just if we're going to respond or not. And so God would have us that we would always be drawing closer to him. However, in our own humanness, because we are uh, prone to this cycle like Israel, God will use uncomfortable situations in our lives to get our attention. Think about that. God will use uncomfortable situations in our lives to get our attention. So think for, on your own for a minute. Think about this. Can you identify a time in your life where God used an uncomfortable situation to get your attention. Maybe it was uh, sickness. Maybe a broken relationship. Maybe a financial catastrophe. Um, a failure. And that list could go on and on. But can you identify personally a time where maybe you were in autopilot or you kind of had forgotten God and God says, I need your attention. I want your attention. So he uses this this uncomfortable situation. So for me, as I began to think about that, there, there have been more than one, but probably the most recent happened three years ago. And some of you know this story, but three years ago, uh, God got my attention. I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't living in sin. 
I wasn't, I hadn't forgotten God, but I was kind of an autopilot, just kind of moving along. You know, everything's going good. And then God got my attention through a sickness. And three years ago, just a little over three years ago, I had found out that I was in heart failure. And my heart was functioning at just a small capacity of what it was supposed to. Thankfully, that's not the case today. But it was in that time that not only did God get my attention, but God got Cammie's attention. And we began to call out to him because we recognized we needed him. And we began to call out and we began to draw near in a way that we never had before because we needed him. And that's typically what happens in this cycle um, when there are consequences. That's when we start calling out. That's how God gets our attention. But in this case, we, we began to experience God in a different way that has carried on from that point on. Not that we're perfect in it, and there are still times that God says, hey, 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 I just want you to know, you need to look back this way. But something happened. God got our attention so that we began to experience God and our commitment to him in a new way. How about you? Can, can you think of those times where God's functioned that way? I, I want to clarify what I am saying and what I'm not saying also. I'm, I am saying that God will use uncomfortable situations. To get our attention. What I'm not saying is that God causes those uncomfortable situations, but instead he will use something that is already happening. Maybe it's something we caused, or maybe it's something somebody else caused, but he will use that situation if we're in autopilot, or if we've forgotten him, or if we're part-time in our commitment, or even less. God will use, but he doesn't, he doesn't create it. But, but he'll use it. And here's what's so wonderful about God and his grace and mercy. So many things. But in verses 3 and 4, we read, The angel of the Lord appeared to her. So appeared to Samson's mom. It's interesting. Uh, Samson's father's name is given. It's Manoah. But her name is never given. We don't actually know what her name is. But it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are barren and childless. But you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. And then you go on to the latter portion of verse 5 and we read, He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. So here's, here's what we draw from that. God in his grace and his mercy always takes the initiative in drawing us close to him. It's like I said... God's Holy Spirit is always at work in us and around us. Always working to draw us near. It's just up to us if we're going to respond. And while it's true that he may allow uncomfortable situations to get our attention, the greater truth is that he has already made a way for us to be delivered. For the Israelites, he sent Samson to be their deliverer. But for us, he sent Jesus, his son, who came to earth fully God, but gave all of that up and lived a life just like you and I, yet without sin, made his way to the cross and became the payment for our sin so that we could be reconciled to God. That's why we could say, I am who he says I am. Because 
of what God has done through Jesus Christ. He has already taken the initiative. It makes me think of passages like Hebrews 2, 18. It says, because he himself suffered, he talking of Jesus, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Or, or, or what about 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13? It's, and, and I think we've all heard this verse, some. No temptation, oftentimes that's translated no trial. No temptation has taken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure. Did you hear that? He will also provide a way out so that you can do it. And he has provided. He has provided the way out. Through his grace, through his mercy, he has taken the initiative so that we can live out the fullness of the relationship that he desires that we have. And he did it through an act of love. He did it through his son, Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus, God has taken the initiative so that we can have freedom, so that we can have deliverance, so that we can have salvation. You know, if, if you think about it, in so many ways, even though Samson's life was flawed as it was, and knowing that God still used him, and we're going to see how God used him uh, over the next couple of weeks, that Samson is actually a foreshadowing of Jesus. He's like an Old Testament picture of Jesus. Let, let me tell you why I say that. Let me, let me read some things to you. Both Samson and Jesus, both their births were predicted before they happened. Uh, both Samson and Jesus had miraculous births. Both Samson and Jesus were sent for a people who were oppressed. Samson was a Nazarite. Jesus was a Nazarene. But it's here now that they part ways. Because I said, um, Samson wasn't a complete failure. Because we'll see, God did use him in beginning the process for the deliverance of, the, of Israel. But Samson did not fully live up to his potential and to his calling. But Jesus was faithful all the way to the end. At any point, he could have given up. But he came and he carried out his mission so that we could be set free. So that we could have freedom. So that we could have salvation. Romans 4.25 says, He was delivered over to death for our sins and raised to life for our justification. Let me see if I can just begin to close this out. Um, you know, I said, we're never given Samson's mother's name. But what we do know about her is that she was barren. She could not have children. In other words, her womb was dead. But it's interesting. That didn't keep God from sending the deliverer. God was able to take something that was dead and bring life to it. He brought life to that womb so that Samson could be conceived and Samson could be born so that he could begin to lead Israel from the oppression of the Philistines. So we begin to think about that and I think, is it possible for anyone here today that as you think about your life, you, um, you, you might recognize today that at best, you're part-time in your relationship with Him, your commitment to Him. Or maybe you've realized, I'm, I'm, I think I might be an autopilot. I haven't forgotten God, 
but I'm not working or I'm not living in a way that I would draw near to him. Or maybe today your soul feels depleted. You just feel empty inside. Or maybe you would say, my soul doesn't just feel depleted. My soul feels dead. Whatever it is, if it's true, God is bigger. God can take what is depleted. God can take what is dead. God can take part-time and turn it into full-time. God can work a miracle in you. See, here's what's important that we understand. We didn't just come to church today to check it off the list because let's face it, in what we're in right now, it would have been much easier to stay home. And some people did today. And in a time where a, a, a mask mandate, it would be much easier to say, I'm just going to stay home and watch it online. So I, I commend you. I commend you for doing that. I want to tell you there's a benefit to wearing a mask. Someone said to me today, my husband said, you actually look younger with a mask on. I'm going to wear it all the time. I'm going to wear it all the time. I, I'm in now. I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. So, it would, you're not here today by accident. And honestly, those who are watching online today, they're not watching by accident. But the point I'm trying to make is that God is present, whether it's online or whether it's in this room. We're not just checking off a list, but God wants to do something in us that causes us to grow, draw near to Him and say, I'm committed, I'm fully in, and for that to happen, I need you to speak life into some dead places. And you know what those are, so you just begin to offer those to Him. Just begin to offer those to Him right now and expect that the God of the universe, who is here by His Spirit, is moving about this place right now, working on your behalf, bring to life that which was dead, that which was life lacking. And He's doing it right now. That He would be healing your heart and He would be healing your mind. And you would feel something stirring inside of you that's fresh and that's new. Father God, I pray for all of us here in this room today. I pray that we would experience that freshness and that newness in our commitment to you like never before. Uh, God, I pray that we would be ahead of the curve and we wouldn't have to wait for the uncomfortable situation, but we'd say, I surrender everything now. I, I, I give you my all. So Lord, I just pray that you would speak life to those places that are depleted and those places that are dead. And I pray in Jesus' name. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.